0: Sequence 5, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0.
1: Welcome to Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So, if you've got questions about today's episode if you have ideas for future episodes. Either way, please contact us. The easiest way you can do that is by email, and the address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. I'm joined on the phone today by Carl Olson. Hi, Carl.
0: Hi, Chris. Great to be with you.
1: Happy, good to have you back on an Ignition. Uh, you've been on here many times, but I'll let you introduce yourself in a moment for those who may be haven't heard you on Ignition, or, or don't know who you are. But today, Carl and I are going to be talking about Walker Percy, a writer, a novelist, a thinker, um, who who lived in the, the latter part of the 20th century, but in many ways was a man probably 20, 30, 40 years ahead of his time in terms of diagnosing some of the ails, the things that ail us, rather, in our world today. So um, he is somebody who really addresses the question, why are we so... Uh, so uneasy. Why are we not at ease um, in, in in our life, in, in the world? Walker Percy addresses that maybe better than anybody in the last 50, 60 years. Uh, and we're going to be talking about him today on Ignition. If you've never listened to the show before, again, my name is Chris Bergwald. I'm the director of adult discipleship and evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls in the Eastern South Dakota. i uh, been in that role since 2002. Uh, been in the role of husband to Jermaine since 1999. She and I have five kids. She's from Ohio. I'm from Central Minnesota, but all five of our kids are born and raised in Eastern, as the telemarketers say, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Carl, would you mind uh, before we before we start talking about Walker, let's talk about Carl briefly. Who is Carl Olson? And now remember, just in one minute. I mean, we only have so much time.
0: Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm the editor. I'm the editor of Catholic World Report. And I've been uh, working with Ignatius Press for uh, about 16, 17 years now. It's been a great pleasure to work with them. I've written some books for them. And um, so I'm a writer and editor, and uh, I've been involved in a lot of apologetics writings. Uh, many of my books are about apologetics, articles about apologetics. I've also written a lot about Scripture and theology and current events. And um, I love to collect way too many books. Um, to the, to the horror of my wife, who wonders where they're all going to go. And I live in Eugene, Oregon, with uh, my wife and children. And uh, this is her hometown, and we've been here. I've been in Oregon basically my entire adult life, but I was originally born and raised in Montana. So I split pretty much my life between those two uh, beautiful uh, states. Don't you mean Oregon? Oregon, yes, Oregon. And I should <laughs> add that... Uh, <laughs> My wife and I are both graduates of Evangelical Bible Colleges, and we entered the Catholic Church together in 1997. Uh, so we were both uh, former Evangelical Protestants who fulfilled their faith by entering the fullness of the Church in the Catholic Church.
1: If you want to hear more about that, back on uh, episode 328 of Ignition, uh, we spoke about your conversion story. So uh, you've been in the show like six, seven times. Uh, I don't know yeah, why. I don't know right. why I keep having you back. I, yes, I keep having you back, which,
0: which does raise questions about your, your
1: judgment. But we should, we should move So forward. moving on. Uh, <laughs> so one of the things, listeners, uh, so Carl's a regular, uh, As just kidding aside, uh, a regular um, guest on the show. And I, I like to ask my regular guests um, different questions. One is, you know, what's your story? So Carl and I talked about his story about uh, several years ago, I'm just alluding to that episode 328. Um, what does it mean to be Christian? I think Carl, you and I talked about that last year at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also like to ask, and I've done this with uh, a, a few other guests, um, what's a Catholic book we should know? Or more broadly, who's a Catholic that we should know, and so I, I, I asked Carl that a few weeks ago, um, and, and um, I was I, w- I wasn't shocked, but I was pleasantly surprised. I, I didn't think that Walker Percy would be the first um, first named that came to your mind, but I'm glad he did because he's somebody that I don't know a lot about. I'm guessing our listeners, um, maybe have never even heard of him or, or read anything by him. I haven't read anything by Walker Percy myself. And yet I know from your own story that, that he's been an important part of your life. So, so I'm kind of going to turn the reins over to you in a sense. Um, uh, ask some questions along the way, but just the, that basic question to start with who was Walker Percy?
0: All right. well, Percy was, as you know, a, a novelist and author, essayist, who was born in 1916 and died in 1990, and I was first introduced to Walker Percy back in 1994, not long after I was married. I was having a phone conversation with a former Bible college classmate, and this classmate was at this time studying um, philosophy in England, in London. And we were talking about all kinds of stuff because we were catching up. We hadn't talked for a while, and he asked me if I had ever read anything by Walker Percy, and I'd never heard that name. And I said, "Man, who is that?" And so he he said, "Oh, he's this great author. You've got to check out his his novels, uh, his his essay collection called Signpost in a Strange Land." And so I did. I I uh, went and I bought several of Percy's books. And I tell you, once I started reading signpost in a strange land, which is a couple <clears throat> of essays that, that touches on a wide range of things, I was immediately hooked <clears throat> on his writing and began to read a little bit about Percy's life. And Percy's life, we can't get into too much, but Percy's life was really um, unique. I mean, everybody's life is unique, but his was uh, really interesting because he came from a very kind of prestigious family in the South, the Percy's who go way back. And, and had a lot of influence in various parts of, of the United States. But it was a family also kind of dogged by tragedy. So his father, his grandfather both committed suicide, his father mm. committed suicide when Percy was a young boy. Um, after that happened, he and his mother and, and brothers moved in with uh, his uncle Will, who was kind of this stoic southerner who was well-known for his writing, uh, who was a, a very fine poet and essayist, um, and and kind of uh, very involved in a lot of local political things, and then Percy's mother died in a very strange car accident, which to this day people don't know if that was suicide or an accident. Wow. So he had a lot of tragedy, and the short version is that he ended up going, uh, he was basically an agnostic by the time he went off to Columbia to study for a medical degree. He wanted to be a doctor, a medical doctor, and Um, he's
1: from, he's from Louisiana. I don't know. We said South, but Louisiana is that where he he, he
0: was originally, um, from, uh, I want to say Alabama. He ended up living most of his life after he got married in Louisiana. He, He moved to a little town, Louisiana and, and lived there for the rest of his life. Uh, he was born in Georgia, but he lived in, um, Birmingham, Alabama, for a big portion of his young life. okay, um, I forget the exact dates, but so Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana. So those are the three states that he that he's pretty much spent his life living in. And um, as he was studying for his medical degree at Columbia, he contracted tuberculosis. And basically he had to be, uh, you know, he was an invalid for about two years. He had to, the only thing they described back then was rest. This is back in the, uh, would have been in the 30s or 40s, actually. And in short order, over those two years, Percy made a number of decisions, actually it'd be about a five-year span. Um, he decided he was going to become a writer. He decided to do, he was just going to set aside the medical thing, because he really discovered that what he really liked about the medical realm was understanding how things work and understanding kind of a pathology. But what he realized was that the his interest in pathology was really about the human person, not, not necessarily the body, mm-hmm. but what is it that makes people tick? You know, why do people do what they do? Um, how do we understand ourselves in the world? These became kind of the, the core themes of his thought and writing. Um, and you can see it in, in like his famous satirical self-help book that he published in this, in uh, the late 70s, early 80s, um, Lost in the Cosmos. This is kind of one of his big themes, that we're lost in the cosmos. We don't know who we are, why we are, what we are. Uh, so he had this interest in anthropology, but in a real increasingly metaphysical sense. And so he decided he wanted to be a writer. He was going to get married, and he did uh, get married. He got married to a, a girl that he had originally met, uh, I think, when she was in nursing school. And then um, he became Catholic, and that was due to a lot of study, a lot of thought. Uh, he was reading everything from Sartre and Camus and Kierkegaard to Thomas Aquinas and uh, a lot of uh, you know, Catholic writers. And I would say that Percy, although it might not be really overt to most readers, that there is a Thomistic undergirding to a lot of Percy's writings, and he was really drawn to a lot of insights from St. Thomas Aquinas, but he was also deeply influenced by existentialism. Um, I don't know that we would call him an existentialist in the sense that we would we would call a Sartre Camus an existentialist, because they were obviously atheists, but he was an existentialist in that he was really all about trying to figure out why is it, what is it about our existence that makes us unique? What is it to be human that, that is unique. And so so point, so just
1: so just to clarify real quick, so existentialist existentialism is a uh I guess a school in philosophy, as you just kind of alluded to, generally associated with um atheist uh, so a couple of big well known atheist philosophers. Right. But it's not exclusively atheist so it's it's about the question of what is what does it mean to exist what what is existence specifically what does it mean to exist as a human being.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the general thing because you use the term existentialist among some people, they they say, "Oh, that's you know that's atheistic." But when you look, use it in a, in a broad sense, it's really about the question of existence: okay. Why do we exist? What does it mean to exist? You know, people like, "Oh, well, we we understand all that." Well, first he would say, "Do we? Do we actually understand really much of this at all?" And um, you know, his argument, um, although he doesn't present things necessarily always in terms of arguments, but really more in in demonstrating like in his novels, he was really big on trying to present questions rather than answers. But So his writing went through a couple of different phases, and I think it's important understanding him, that when he first began writing, and he wrote a bunch of more academic-type articles in the 1950s that were then put into a compilation of essays, uh, Message in the Bottle, a Message in a Bottle, I forget which one, but um, those were very... Academic, and they were really focused on semiotics, which is the study of language. So, one of Percy's big things is that one of the things that really defines humans as being absolutely unique from other animals, creatures, is language. (laughs) And so, he, in these essays and messages in The Bottle, uh, which came out originally in the, it was collected in 1975, but most of the articles were written or essays were written in the 1950s. It's about language and why it makes people unique and he points to people like uh, helen keller and and different things and he draws on a variety of philosophical schools and so forth so he's obviously was at that point was reaching a very small audience which he realized right so then he decided you know what i'm going to actually write a novel and try to bring this to a broader audience and so he ends up writing Uh, He actually had a couple of novels he didn't finish, but finally he finished essentially his third novel that that is the first published novel, The Moviegoer, 1961. And it was initially ignored. It wasn't selling well. But then it was actually chosen to be the National Book Award winner in 1962, which at that time still was a very prestigious thing. I mean, it is prestigious, but I mean, there was more of a wider public you know, cachet attached to that than there is now, right? So that kind of launched his career as a novelist, got him a lot of attention. And then he went on to write five more novels, um, a couple of which were kind of big bestsellers. They made, you know, the bestsellers list, The Thanatos Syndrome was one of those. Um, And then he ended up having the uh, Lost in the Cosmos, the last self-help book, came out in 1983. And that was something of a... Something of a cult classic, because um, it was absolutely unique, and that it was a complete satire on self-help books. Right. Um, the thing about Percy is he's very acerbic. He's caustic.
1: No wonder you like very, him so much.
0: Uh, yeah, he's got a very <laughs> dry wit. And sometimes that might put people off. But sure. I think when you really read him carefully, this is a man with a huge heart, with a deep deep love for truth. I mean that's the thing about Percy in the end. What is why do I love him? This is a man who loves truth and who is so incredibly honest. Like he gave a lot of interviews during his life. In fact there's two books that are uh, interviews with him. And it's really funny because on one hand he professed to not liking doing interviews, but he was a great interviewee. He's mm. just absolutely um incredibly funny and self-deprecating um and and very uh, willing to share his thoughts on on plenty of things, or to admit, you know, when hey, I don't know that, I don't. So, for for example, he did a self interview uh, <laughs> late in life, titled "Questions They Never Asked Me." Mm. And it's this is a great example. Just to give you a sense of Percy's sense of humor before we talk a little bit more about his his, his themes. The first question of the self interview is, "Will you consent to an interview?" No, <laughs> he says, no, <laughs> no. And so, well, why not? Again, he's doing this to himself. He says, interviewers always ask the same questions, such as, what time of the day do you write? Do you type or write longhand? What do you think of the South? What do you think of the New South? What do you think of Southern writers? Who are your favorite writers? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he goes on, and then what, what becomes a little bit more uh to the point is they ask him about his um, uh, his uh, faith. Like, why is it that he's uh, a, a Christian? And basically his response is, um, like, "Well, for example, he asks himself, what kind of a Catholic are you? His answer is, bad. <laughs> 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 Just, no, I'm, I mean, are you a liberal or conservative? And he says, I no longer know what those words mean. What he does is he gets past a lot of the cliches, right? Um, And his thing is, finally he's asked, you know, why is it that you rejected, finally rejected what he calls scientific humanism, which is essentially a form of atheism? You know, it's belief that science answers everything. Because Percy is really big on refuting scientism and he says, Why you know, why do you exclude scientific humanism as a rational alternative to Christianity? And he says, It's not good enough. And I think here's the the money quote from this self interview. Just this life is much too too much trouble, far too strange to arrive at the end of it and then be asked what you make of it and have to answer scientific humanism. Mm. That won't that won't do a poor show. Life is a mystery. Love is a delight. Therefore, I take it as axiomatic that one should settle for nothing less than the infinite mystery and the infinite delight that is God. In fact, I demand it. I refuse to settle for anything less. I don't see why anyone should settle for less than Jacob, who actually grabbed a hold of God and wouldn't let go until God identified himself and blessed him. And then the question grabbed a halt, and he says, uh, it's a Louisiana expression. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, it gives you a sense of his, you know, his humor. Right. It's very, very dry, rather self deprecating. Um, but it's all at the service of what does it mean to live? What does it mean to be a human? And it's very robustly Catholic, but Percy, for the most part, especially in his novels, avoids overt Catholic language. Or, you know, he's not trying in his novels, especially to be, to lecture or to teach. He believes that novels, that's not the right use of novels. That novels are meant to diagnose, to probe, to mm. ask the right questions, and that it's other, other things that should be used to give the answer. So he's not opposed to giving answers. He's not playing some kind of coy game. It's that he believes that novels really should try to get people to ask why, what, how, who am I? So he talks, for example, in one of his essays about how we have all these different philosophical systems, and he pinpoints Marxism, which, of course, is a hot thing these days, right? But this is decades ago, and he says, well, the thing about Marxism is a Marxist can explain everything in the world, and then he's sitting in his room at two o'clock on a a Wednesday, and he doesn't know what to do with himself. Mm. And I'm paraphrasing there, but his point is, the Marxist can explain everything except who he is, and why he is, and what the purpose of his life really is. You can give all these you know, these uh, answers that are from the, you know, kind of the laundry list, but they don't really get to what it means to be really a human. So his big thing is that it's it's the Catholic church alone, and he actually really aligns us close with the Jewish faith that that can help make sense of, of reality and what we are meant to be as humans in the cosmos.
1: If you're just tuning in and you're listening to Ignition, I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, visiting today with Carl Olson about the Catholic writer and uh, novelist, essayist, uh, Walker Percy, who died in 1990, um, having written a number of novels and essays over the course of of his life and career. So, so Carl, just in the like six minutes we have left, if if somebody's just intrigued by what you've said already about Walker, Maybe, is there is there a good place to start? Or maybe, or maybe another question before, maybe first, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, why, maybe maybe more specifically, so why should we read him? And if we're going to, where do we start?
0: Well, uh, <coughs> thankfully, there's an easy answer to where to start, I think, because the great thing about his collection, uh, um, Signposts in a Strange Land, is that he tackles a wide range of topics. I mean, he talks about what it means to be a novelist, he talks about um the modern malays is one of his big themes what he calls the modern malays which he, which he tra- uh, traces back to uh you know the uh the work of Descartes um who he believes was really essential in kind of creating this chasm uh within human thinking and human understanding that this led to all kinds of problems um you know this this distinction between the mind and the physical world, and he goes into that in a number of his essays. But he also has essays in there about things like drinking bourbon and how to how to assess bourbon. Um, Percy struggled with drinking. Uh, he went through a really dark period in the in the early seventies, uh, mid seventies, when he was writing a novel titled Lancelot where he really struggled with his, with the drinking. And he, he openly acknowledged that he had this kind of fight with depression. It seemed to be mm. a thing within the family, you know, going back to the suicide. And right. But, I, but I guess I'm kind of a predisposed to saying, come at it from the nonfiction and then start with say his first novel, the movie goer, um, and then kind of go through maybe an order uh, of the novels. Um, now some people if you're if you're really interested in literature, I'd say, "Hey, just start with a movie goer and see what you think uh personally, my favorite novel um by Percy is the Last gentleman uh, his second novel, and it's really just kind of subjective, but there are just passages here's the thing about Percy one one reason to read him is he's just a fantastic writer i mean he a beautiful writer he's he writes in unexpected ways at times um it's not always exactly how you think it's going to go. And then his last couple of novels uh, are, are kind of more like, I want to call them thrillers. That would be a little bit misleading. But they they do take up kind of this apocalyptic theme, and they're actually kind of they are deeply funny. I mean, there's kind of a dark, if you like kind of dark humor, you'll like Percy. But I think one reason that Percy is so interesting to me and I, I wanted to talk about him a bit is because he talks about deep truths and he talks about the catholic faith but he he avoids the clichés.
1: What do you mean? He, like give an example. He give he an example.
0: Try, he doesn't just say, "Hey, you know, we're called to the whole goal of life is to to love and to love God and to and to pursue." Now, that's all true, and that's good, and there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. But what he tries to do is he tries to get people to think, "Why is it that I'm not Satisfied? Why is it that I'm not happy? Why is it that I, I have everything? I keep some of those characters. They seem to have everything, but they're so diseased. <laughs> yeah. And and he really gets you to. He makes you uncomfortable, and this is part of a point of his Lost in the Cosmos self help book. He, uh, it actually gets a little bit raw in places. I mean, he really pushes you. Yeah, but the thing about Percy I love is that you get the sense that he he's done it to himself. Mm. It's not like he's doing something to you that that uh, he has not already gone through. And I think that's the thing. <coughs> excuse me about Percy is for me there is a profound authenticity. This is a man who who was an agnostic. He went through great tragedy. He decided to give up a profession that would have given him a lot of uh, you know relative prestige and and money and security to become a writer. He becomes Catholic after a a long stretch of of deep study and thought contemplation. Um, This is a guy who kind of put his money where his his mouth is, and I think that really resonates. He also has a way of taking, I think, really complicated philosophical concepts about language, about, say, the, the thought of Descartes or whoever, and turning it into a story form, so that ordinary, quote unquote, ordinary readers who don't want to read books on philosophy or whatever can enter it, and not even really, actually, even know necessarily that they're they're engaging in philosophical uh, excursions. But they, but they are. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's a real gift. It's really, diff- it's really difficult to do that. It's really easy to say, oh, I'm going to take a lot of big concepts and I'm going to make a story out of it. Um, Very few people can actually do that. And Percy actually could do that. He did it with humor and characters that are really rich and attractive and interesting. Um, And so I think that's a real gift, too. And then I think the fact that he's so blunt. I mean, when you read some of his essays, he was a profoundly pro-life guy. He was adamantly anti-abortion anti-euthanasia he wrote about those things he also placed them in a larger context i think in a way that was very helpful he for example one of his quotes and i don't have the exact quote here but he he talks about how the 20th century was was one of the nicest centuries in human history everybody was nice (laughs) And, and tens of millions of people were murdered yes and this kind of echoes some things that Flannery O'Connor is, you know, wrote too. And he and O'Connor had a had a, a, a friendship and a, a great respect for each other, where they recognize that there's these really deep incompatible things about human nature. Some of them are kind of "quote unquote" American, but really, at the end of the day, right. they're about who we are as people. Right? How is it that we have so much comfort and yet we're so unhappy? Why is it that we talk so much about helping others and being good, and yet we that we have so much abortion and push for euthanasia, and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: And we're going to have to leave right. things there, Carl. We're out of time. Thanks for being with us on, on this episode and talking about Walker Percy. And that we're up with this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.